Good morning, Richard. We thought we'd wake you up. How you doing? Yeah, I'm excellent. I assume you good morning. <laughs> you always seem so quiet when we first talk to you. So is this, is this a little early in the morning for you? Yeah, it's it's okay. It's it's early ish. <laughs> early ish, right? We've been up for hours. Come on. <laughs> Let's talk everybody talking about the US election, but we want to talk about our election, obviously, because something significant is starting tomorrow. Yeah, a lot of people forget that our election counting is still taking place. The there are nearly seven hundred thousand votes that are still out there that uh, are either mail-in or absentee ballots that haven't been counted yet, and the counting will start tomorrow. And it matters not for the result of the election. We know John Horgan has won a decisive majority, but there are a few different ridings across the province that could have a change. Uh, in terms of the standing based on what we saw on election night. So there's a few different uh, ridings to watch. Abbotsford Mission and Vernon Monashi are the big two. Uh, those are both ridings where uh, the Liberal leads by uh, fewer than 200 votes uh, and uh, very well could switch to the NDP, and that could mean uh, Pam Alexis, the current mayor of Mission, uh, becomes the MLA for Abbotsford Mission. Uh, she's trailing incumbent Simon Gibson right now. Uh, and there's a few others where there's there's a gap. There are 16 ridings of the 87 where there's a gap of fewer than a thousand votes, and so. Those ridings are all in play, considering there are, in some cases, more than 10,000 votes in a riding still left to be counted. I know a lot of British Columbians voted this way and want to ensure that their vote is heard, uh, their voice is heard. And so it's important, clearly, to count these votes, and we expect the counting to take place through Friday, Saturday, Sunday. But we may know the result for some of these ridings as early as tomorrow, if not uh, Saturday and, and then Sunday, if it's close. Right. Okay. So more to come on that. And are we expecting some changes uh, to being able to visit people in long-term care homes? Yeah, this is a great question, Simi. We, we're hearing today from Dr. Bonnie Henry and Adrian Dix at three o'clock. It will be the first time uh, we've heard from them uh, in person since uh, Isabel McKenzie presented a report on Tuesday outlining significant concerns about people in care and those with loved ones in care around the visitation rules. And, and the big call is to allow for visitors to see loved ones in their room and also expand the number of people uh, that can come into a care home. Not necessarily at one time, but overall. Right now, the policy restricts that every resident can only have one uh, de designated visitor. And the call from Isabel McKenzie is to expand that. And the question is, will Dr. Henry and Adrian Dix change the policy? And, and Dr. Henry has been asked about this a few different times over the last few weeks and has said that they are reviewing the current policy uh, and looking to make some changes. Whether we hear those changes today, that's going to be an interesting part of the briefing. You know, it's there were some really surprising things that came out of this report and survey mm -hmm. around the impact uh, that's been felt by loved ones who have, have re been severely restricted from seeing loved ones. And the main takeaway was when Mackenzie said multiple times that most people in care uh, would rather die of COVID than not see their loved ones in person in their room uh, and the loved ones they want to see again. And, uh, you know, obviously that's going to have to be weighed with the, the inherent risk of bringing more people into a care home and what that could mean. We know that the virus spreads quickly in care homes. We know it can have devastating impacts. And so those are the uh, things that are being weighed right. right now by the provincial health officer. 
And let's also talk about what's going on in Chilliwack, right? Because now they've said that that whole dance studio situation is a super spreader event with all the cases that have generated from it. But I also found it very interesting that health officials are saying, listen, don't blame, don't punish the dance studio for this. And uh, I think it's one of those events that could happen in many different communities, but it's all about if you ensure that you are following the guidelines, these events should will not happen. And we don't know the exact situation. Yes, I know we have heard a statement from the owner of the dance studio and that they believe that the contact tracing uh, was not adequate and, and they believe that they flagged it early enough and closed the studio preemptively. The reality is if students are not within six feet of each other, if they are wearing masks uh, when they can in high traffic areas, then these sort of events, if, if areas are being washed down and, and sanitized and these events don't happen. And this is a reminder to businesses. And again, it, I think it's really important. Do not blame the dance studio. It is a reminder for all businesses yeah. and all communities exactly. to follow these measures. Because you heard uh, you know, in the news that now we have more than 10 schools impacted by this, that the virus went into school, the school system, because of this event, it, it likely has gone into workplaces. That's how this virus works is it goes from one place to another and spreads. And it could happen in Vancouver, in Delta, in Coquitlam. We've seen cases in Surrey. Could we see super spreader events in Surrey as well? These cases are in our community. So again, it's a constant reminder about how quickly when we don't follow all of the specific guidelines, uh, and keep our distance and wear our mask and do deep clean so they can spread quickly and into other parts of our community. And that can impact more people. And the greatest fear is that it gets into places like t long-term care and leads to, to more deaths in our community uh, because of the virus. Right. Something that we were talking about, Richard, I'm just going to plant this in your head for today. I know there's a briefing, right? Live briefing. And you always ask questions at those is that we're curious about how, when we talked to Adrian Dix a couple months ago, their goal was to get to 20,000 tests a day, right, to cope yeah. with the flu season. They're not there yet. They're not even close. They're about half that. No, and I found it interesting. I was looking at the testing numbers yesterday, and, and you know, I followed the testing numbers, but not particularly closely. I, I think part of the messaging has been we do all the tests that are needed. And I noticed it went down yesterday. There was a number of days where we were up in over 10,000. And now I think yesterday we were in the 8,000s. And again, that was just a, a cursory glance. But I, I, I think it's an important question. And, uh, you know, it's an important one to raise because there were goals that were set around targets and clearly those aren't being met. But I'm not sure whether it's capacity. I think the province has proven through this process that there is capacity for testing uh, and there it may not be that there's the demand there for testing that you know the province has had a pretty strict measure that they don't want to just test everybody. They want to test people who they have you know have a reasonable chance of actually having contracted the virus. Right. Okay. So there's more questions about that. And it seems like these case numbers have settled at around 300 now, which still feels uncomfortably yeah. high. Yeah. And and I remember in the summer when uh, Paul Hasem, our colleague on the morning news, asked uh, Terry Mooring from the BC Teachers Federation, you know, at what point do you start advising teachers 
to not go to work? How many new cases a day? And after being right. pressed a number of times, she eventually said, uh, you know, more than 200 cases a day, I would be concerned about sending teachers to work. Well, we're now at more than 300 cases. And yes, we know a lot more about the virus now than we did then. And mm -hmm. we know that there are ways that we can, you know, prevent the spread, even though there's spread in our community. Uh, but then 300 is just the beginning, I think, Simi. I think from what we've seen over the last few weeks and the trends, you know, 200 a day quickly becomes 300 a day, could very yeah. easily become 400 a day. And we have those new regulations in place around limiting the number of people that can go into people's homes. But only with enforcement will that policy really work. And we will see how the province enforces that as we try to bend this curve back down. We've done it before. We will do it again. The question is how quickly can we do right. it um, and how long will these big numbers be the norm? All right, Richard, thank you. Yeah, thanks, Amy. That's Richard Dustman, our global news reporter over in Victoria.